Welcome to Enjoying the Journey with Evangelist Scott Pauling. Today, we are on a journey through Scripture. We hope you'll join us as we make 66 stops through each book of the Word of God. Do you have a favorite book of the Bible? Well, on our journey, we have come to my favorite today. If you've been listening to our broadcast for some time, you know that we actually began our Enjoying the Journey broadcast with a study of this book. And so we've spent a lot of time in it, and my goal today is simply to give you a brief overview of the book of Philippians. It only has 104 verses and is much more practical uh, than some of the other books, and it is deeply personal. It is one of the most personal things the Apostle Paul ever wrote. He loved the people at Philippi. You can read the story in the book of Acts of him coming to Philippi. It was there that Lydia, the seller of purple, got saved and the church started meeting in her house. It was there that a demon-possessed girl, a slave girl, was set free. It's the only recorded miracle of the Apostle Paul. Did you know that? It was in that city that Paul and Silas sang a hymn at midnight, gave praise and thanks to God, and a jailer got gloriously saved. He heard the message, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, the church at Philippi was the fruit of Paul's obedience to a vision he had when he saw a man saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. I tell you, when you obey God, you never know what's going to come out of him. When you never know when, what's going to be produced because of your obedience to God's call in your life. And so the church at Philippi, I really believe this, was very dear to the Apostle Paul. Three times in four chapters, he calls them his beloved. Now, this book was written about 30 years after Christ ascended, about 10 years after Paul first preached the gospel in Philippi. Now, by this time, they're fairly established. As a matter of fact, Paul begins his letter by addressing the bishops and the deacons that are there. And so it's an established congregation. Paul is writing from a prison at Rome. He's going to have the message delivered to them. Now think of this. This book, filled with glory, filled with gladness, was written from a prison cell. It's just a reminder uh, that you can be happy in Jesus no matter what your circumstances are. <laughs> Dr. Robertson used to say, two men behind prison bars, one looked at the mud, the other the stars. Which one are you looking at today? Well, the key verse of the book is Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It simply says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I tell you, that word always is a sticking point at times. We're not always rejoicing, are we? And somebody says, well, my circumstances are not always good. That's not the point. It's not about your circumstances. You see, joy is actually different from happiness. The word happy is rooted in happenstance in chance, in circumstance. But joy is not rooted in that at all. Joy is rooted in Jesus. And that's the theme of the book, Joy in Jesus Christ. The goal of this book is to teach believers that their lives are not to be controlled by what's going on on the outside, but what they have on the inside. Graham Scroggie says this, Happiness is like the calm or the beneath the, the surface of a rough sea. It's not according to the weather. 
It's not changed by the storm on the surface. No, it's the calm beneath that surface. Friend, joy is like the still water deep down. I love that thought. And one of the great benefits of this letter has been one of great encouragement to believers, not just in Philippi. I go back to it again and again and again because I need encouragement. I want to be a rejoicing Christian today. G. Campbell Morgan, one of my favorite authors, commented on Philippians 4.4, this verse, Rejoice in the Lord all when again I say rejoice. And here's what he said. Is that a rule? I maintain that it is. Paul does not speak of joy as a privilege, but as a duty. It is our duty to rejoice. We ought to sing. We ought to be glad. And then he said this, We owe it to our Lord to go through the streets of London on a foggy day with a smiling face. We ought to be the most cheerful people in the world. And I want to say amen and amen to that. I've been in London on a foggy day, a misty day, a dreary day. But wherever in the world you're living today, and frankly, sometimes you can have a foggy day when the sun is shining. You can have a dark day uh, emotionally. The clouds have rolled in even though everything seems to be good around you. Well, on those days, this verse should be the keynote of your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, again, I say, rejoice. God repeats himself because you got to do this over and over and over again. I love this thought that joy is not only a gift, and it is, it's the fruit of the Spirit, but it is also a choice. You see, it's a command, and God wouldn't command you to do something that he didn't give you the power to do. Personally, I've found that many mornings, I don't want to sing. I don't want to be happy. I want to be grumpy, and I want to fuss, and I want to start with a negative. And it's at those moments that I most need to sing. I most need to choose to rejoice. You see, so many people live by their emotions. That's why they're on this roller coaster. They're in and out and on and off, up and down, hot and cold. They're riding the emotional roller coaster. Friends, if you let emotions run your life, they'll ruin your life. And so the book of Philippians tells us you have something beyond mere emotion. You have a will. And if you'll choose to rejoice in the Lord, let me tell you what I've discovered. Your emotions will catch up. That's right. They'll catch up. And in time, you'll begin to feel again what you first had to faith. We must choose to rejoice in the Lord. Now, there's so many good words in this book. As a matter of fact, there are 65 words used in the book of Philippians that are not found in any of Paul's other epistles. That's fascinating, an interesting little fact. But one of the words that I believe stands out is this word joy or rejoice. Some form of it is used about 18 times. And there is another word that's used repeatedly, given special prominence and emphasis, used nine times, and that's the word gospel. For example, chapter 1, you have the fellowship in the gospel the confirmation of the gospel, the defense of the gospel, living the gospel, the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2, the service of the gospel. Chapter 4, laboring in the gospel, spreading the gospel. Now, wait a minute. What does gospel mean? Gospel means what? Good news. Now, remember this connection. Our joy is rooted in the good news of Jesus Christ. It is not rooted in what you hear on the national news. It's not rooted in what you listen to on your local news. Your joy is not to be found in the phone call you get today and the news from a friend. It may be good or it may be bad, but friend, the news from Jesus is always good. The news from God is always news that God loves you and God has His eye on you and God holds you in the palm of His hand. Find your joy there. Find your joy in Jesus Christ. Someone has suggested that the Christ-centered life 
is more vividly portrayed in the book of Philippians than anywhere else in the New Testament. I believe that's true. In chapter 1, Christ is the believer's life. In chapter 2, Christ is the believer's mind. In chapter 3, Christ is the believer's goal. And in chapter 4, Christ is the believer's strength. Apart from Jesus Christ, there is no joy. I want to end by drawing your attention to one of the most famous passages in the Bible. It's Philippians chapter 2. It's the classic passage on Christ's humiliation and Christ's exaltation. Christ took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Graham Scroggie said that this portion of Scripture is as profound as anything written about Christ anywhere in the New Testament. And indeed it is. It is the mind of Christ. Can I tell you how to be a rejoicing Christian today? Develop the mind of Christ. And that doesn't mean that every thought you think is about God. It means that every thought you think is God's thought. And see, God thinks differently about people and circumstances and even about you and your future than you do. Pray today, Lord, let me think like you. Let me think your thoughts after you. And if you'll do that, my friend, you'll have joy in Jesus. Friend, did you know that the purpose of the Bible is not to know the Bible, the facts, the people, the places, but instead the purpose of the Bible is to know God. Do you know Him? Do you know that God has already done everything necessary for you to know Him? Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross and rose again from the dead to pay for your sin debt. It is our prayer that you will trust Jesus today. If you'd like additional help in your Christian life, be sure to visit our website, scottpauley.org. Among the many resources we have available, we're excited to make available to you a Journey Through Scripture daily Bible reading plan. This will be a tremendous help in our current study. Until next time, may God help you to enjoy the journey.